This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, Pat, um, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not looking for a job that's paid. I want to learn from ground up. I'm willing to do anything that you ask me to do. And he goes, you know what? I'm happen to, I happen to be looking for a door knocker. So I'm like, all right, I had no idea what this was. This is, again, I was so new at this stuff. I'm like, all right, well, I have no idea what door knocking was, but my mindset was I have to start from the bottom and learn from there and grow and grow and grow. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on, everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself. I work in corporate America at a software company. My side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have house hacked, bird, flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. What's going on, guys? A really, really fun, awesome episode today with Bob LaChance. Um, if some of you guys know him, he is big in the space of real estate virtual assistance and automating your business. Uh, a little background on Bob. He is a former professional hockey player. He won a national championship at BC. He's a business owner, four businesses to be exact, and currently a real estate investor, teacher, um, social media brander, just does a ton of cool stuff, really. And he's built so many different types of businesses. But the thing that really jumped out at me and why I was so excited to have him on the show, uh, which we get into in this episode, is around how he works with virtual assistants, how he hires them, how he trains them, how he makes sure they're working on the right tasks and how he helps other people do the same thing. So that's definitely the theme of today's show. We go through how to hire, what they can do, how to monitor them, how to make sure they're doing it securely. Um, some funny stories he has from real estate and from hockey and just all different parts of his business that really stand out as what you can and can't outsource to be successful in real estate. So I'd say this episode could serve as a blueprint for anyone that's looking to hire their first virtual assistant or just figure out how to add some leverage to their business or even add systems to their business for themselves. Forget hiring anyone. He just talks about a lot of ways that you can put systems in place and manage your tasks for your own business. So just a really cool, fun episode. Uh, I'm excited to check out more of Bob's stuff and what he's doing. But yeah, just really, really tactical episode of how you can be successful with virtual assistants. So excited to get into it. Today's tangible tip is for any OneNote users out there. Uh, I am a OneNote user of all things note-taking. I use their main app when I am on my desktop or my laptop. And then when I'm on the go, I just use their sticky notes app from within OneNote to jot down quick stuff. If I'm walking through a property or I am on the go and I just need to write something down quickly, I pop that open and I just load it in. I found it to be after testing a bunch of note-taking apps, really useful, but that's not today's tip. The tip is if you use Microsoft products, there are a ton of integrations between OneNote and Microsoft, meaning there are times where, let's say my favorite one is you have a meeting that's coming up and uh, you wanna have all the attendees inside the meeting and then you wanna know what the topics are, the agenda, the body, the email. So from within OneNote, if you click on weekly meetings, it will show all your meetings that you have synced to your Outlook account for that week or for that day. And if you click on that meeting, it'll give you the new option, an option to open a new tab or a new page, which can then just populate all the information from that meeting beforehand into a new page. And then you don't have to remember who was in the meeting or take notes. It's all kind of preset. And then you can just pretty much document what the general notes are, what the to-dos are, and what the takeaways are. That's kind of how I set up my meetings, but I pretty much just pop that open anytime I have an important meeting on my Outlook calendar, I'll open it up in OneNote, and then just, it's super easy to jump in. All the dates are there, all the people are there, and you don't have to do a lot of like reorganizing. It's already kind of set up, because I noticed uh, I'm pretty good at taking notes during meetings, but I really am not good at going back and cleaning them up after the fact. Like if I don't do it on the front end, it just won't get done. So this was a really big one for me, 
as someone that likes to take a lot of notes when I meet with a lot of people and remember what my next steps were and where we left off. So uh, yeah, OneNote integration with Outlook for specifically weekly meetings. But uh, yeah, that's just a little one to help you with your workflow. So without any further ado, awesome episode today on real estate and virtual assistants with Bob Lachance. All right, Bob, what's going on? Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I am excited to have you on and dig into your story, uh, especially with what we have going on right now and the way you seem to have uh, a message that simplifies really complex themes around automation, systems, virtual assistants in life, and then specifically real estate. So I'm um, really excited to dig into your story and also uh, how you got into it. You're not just you know the typical working stiff that uh, came from corporate to real estate, got a little more interesting background than that, but I want to jump into all that. So for those that don't know, you mind just giving a quick background on who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Bob Lachance. I own a, a virtual assistant company that's based out of the Philippines. I have a company here in the United States, uh, but my whole team is in uh, the Philippines. So I got started back in 2004. Uh, prior to that, I played professional hockey for eight years. So I was a, I was a hockey player stiff at that time. So four, four years here in the U.S., uh, four years in Europe. So I had, uh, I had a good run. I had some fun times. And then I had to put my big boy pants on and jump into the real world because I had my first kid back in, uh, this is good. I'm now I'm aging myself back in 2004. So that's when, that's when my real real estate industry started. Okay, got it. And from there, I'd love to just hear how you transition. I've heard you say, uh, talk about it a little bit before on other podcasts, but I'd just love to hear how you transition from professional hockey into the business world and then specifically real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I get that question a lot, especially from you know the younger generation that doesn't know if they want to jump into real estate, if they want to go in the corporate route or individuals that are in the corporate route that are looking at real estate. So I do get those questions all the time. Um, for me personally, um, as, a, as a professional athlete, you know your time is limited. When you first start, you think you're going to be in this industry forever. You're going to make millions and millions of dollars. And before you know it, um, you don't even understand what taxes are. And so the first check you get, you, know, you figure my first signing bonus was $110,000. And you think I got $110,000? Heck no, right? So I ended up getting, it was broken up into uh, four different checks, like 20 something thousand plus plus each one. But then when I got it, it was only like $15,000. And that was my first awakening saying, huh, all right, I got to work hard to try to make the NHL. Come to find out, I played the AHL and then ended up going to Europe to make a little more money. Um, but at the end of my career, I got married within that time as well. I had my first child. So it was either, um, you know, take my family and go to Europe or um, join the, whether it's corporate world or real estate. So um, I ended up jumping into real estate because before I left school, I went to Boston University for four years. Uh, I left two classes short of getting a four-year degree. So uh, my decision was either go back to school or jump into an industry where you don't need a degree. So for me, I wasn't the best student back in the day and I was, you know, went to college for hockey. That's, you know, that's exactly what I did. I thought I was going to be an NHL player making millions and millions of dollars and come to find out um, that wasn't the fact. That wasn't, but anyway, uh, that's either here nor there. Um, mm -hmm. So my transition, to get back to your question, my transition was, um, not the easiest, um, but what I did was I started reading books before I made my transition, which made it easier, right? So when you're ever looking to make a transition from um, any type of industry that anyone is in to real estate investing, now we're in a way better industry. You know, there's, there's groups, there's masterminds, there's education that's based around, you know, if you're looking at syndications, right? Um, there's a lot of different areas to go to, to get that type of information. Um, back in 2000, you know, two, 2003, 2004, mostly it was books that you had to read. Um, now there's a heck of a lot of coaching programs out there. Um, so I read books, I got involved, um, and then I decided, you know what, real estate was my path. And I jumped in with two feet. And, you know, that, that was my transition. Um, I didn't make money for the first year. So I just want to make sure that's very, very clear on that. Um, it's mm -hmm. not a get rich quick industry. It is, I always like it. I like to say you got to learn it, you got to live it, and then you could gift it. Because if you learn it first, you know, think about this. If you're going to buy a multifamily property, are you just going to, you just going to jump in and, and buy it without knowing anything about the industry? No. 
No, you're going to lose a heck of a lot of money if you do that. Right. Um, how do I know? I lost, I lost $250,000 or $150,000 on a knockdown rebuild in Greenwich, Connecticut, between where you were living and between where I'm, where I'm living right now. Um, and that was just a bad, just a bad investment because I didn't do my, my due diligence. Totally. I love that though. I love the, it was, it was learn it, love it, gift it. Nope. Learn it, live it. So live it, learn it. Yeah. You got to live it and then you got to gift it. No, I love that. That's awesome. Because I think, well, so many people, they, they do end up in teaching of the process, but I think most of them, they're doing it not even out of the need of money, just because they get financially stable and then they love, they've learned so much. And then it's just about giving back and helping the next generation do it. And that's just something I've seen consistently with the successful real estate investors that then that becomes the passion. So it's really cool to hear that you went from the low of, of well, the low of losing money, but then also the challenges of starting and now have come full cycle and then built all these systems into your business. And now you're at that, that part of it, which is really cool. Um, so I guess just before we move off like your, your intro, cause then we'll jump into some uh, like what you're doing now and the questions that you use to run your business. Um, what was your, your first physical deal or first, I guess, um, attempt when you wanted to jump into real estate? So to actually taking a step back before, um, what I said was I didn't make money in the first year. That is actually not true because once I joined, let me, let me take a step back. Actually, when I first jumped into real estate, um, I read one book and the book said, jump in the car and farm areas. So what farming areas means is going literally jumping in your car, driving all around the neighborhoods and looking for any property that's distressed. Right. So I did that and I picked up the phone and I called every real estate agent that had those, those properties for sale. So I got into this one property. This was on a uh, Whiting Lane in West Hartford, Connecticut. And um, it was vacant. So I get in the house and it was a really bad smell of cat pee. So if you read any books, a lot of people don't touch those properties because, and this is back in 2004, this is before they had, um, they had all the, the chemicals that will get rid of that. But it said you literally have to find out where that the, the smell is and go on each, you know, you got to go into closets, you got to go into floors, you got to rip the floors up, you got to take the hardwood out. Like there was a lot of stuff that you had to do prior to what we could do now. So anyway, I put an offer in properties listed at 175, bought it for 135 and they accepted it. At this time I was a rehabber. I had no idea what part of real estate I wanted to get into because I had no education. I literally just you know, jumped in. Um, they accepted the offer, um, found money, found contractors. I made 32 grand on that deal. But after that, I didn't get, I didn't make any money for a year because I jumped into uh, the short sale world because I met my mentor and I realized I had, I got lucky. I had no systems, no processes back in 2004. So I wanted to take a step back and really understand and learn the business from ground up because I did get lucky on that first deal, which was obviously fantastic, but I knew nothing, dude. Like I, when I say I knew nothing, I knew less than nothing about real estate investing. So um, jumped into the business. Uh, I got my mentor, worked for him. I door knocked for one year straight on properties that were in pre-foreclosure, meaning when an individual doesn't pay their mortgage. I bought a list. I got the list of names. So I'm going through neighborhood to neighborhood, door knocking to, you know, it's following a script as well. And I would leave, leave a leave behind campaign. So just a letter to them if they didn't answer the, the door. Mm -hmm. Then I started, you know, getting deals in, contracts in, sending them over to my mentor. He would negotiate the debt, uh, et cetera, et cetera. A year later, I pulled myself out of door knocking. That's when I started making money. I started negotiating with banks and doing short sales. Now we're getting into, you know, later 04 and into 05. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward, uh, started doing wholesaling, rehabbing, lending money, uh, bought commercial buildings. Um, let me see, uh, wholesaling as well. I don't know if like I said that. And then in 2007, eight, also started doing education. Uh, got approached to start doing some real estate education, which is fantastic. And 2014, which we're at today, or which uh, my business today is a couple of different things. I have a virtual assistant company, which is outsourcing and helping real estate investors, agents, property managers do small tasks or big tasks within their business. I'm going to also, um, I literally have 10 properties sitting right there. I love to show you right here that are under contract right now. Um, so I'm actively wow. flipping properties using, using my virtual assistants to uh, get that done. 
Okay, wow. There's a lot there to unpack, but I guess the, the main points that I, I think the, our audience might get a lot of benefit from is, uh, I heard you say the word mentor thrown around a lot in real estate. Um, I'd just love to hear one, how you found this mentor, if you think it's a repeatable strategy, or if you recommend people find mentors in different ways than however you did. But I get this question a lot. I'm sure you do too, of just how do you find a mentor? And I have a little bit of a strategy that I've used anytime I've wanted to, but I'd, I'd love to hear the story behind that. And then what your advice is for people looking for one. So for me, it was very easy. Um, I asked around. So I saw a, I was at a, a local reader group and I saw a speaker on pre-foreclosure short sales, doing short sales, and I was hooked right away. So after that event, I asked every single person in that REA group, the Real Estate Investment Association group, who the best person in Connecticut was. And they pointed right to this, this guy. Everyone pointed to the same guy, Pat Precourt, Pat Precourt. Like, okay. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, Pat, um, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not looking for a job that's paid. I want to learn from ground up. I'm willing to do anything that you ask me to do. And he goes, you know what? I'm happen to, I happen to be looking for a door knocker. So I'm like, all right, I had no idea what this was. This is, again, I was so new at this stuff. I'm like, all right, well, I have no idea what door knocking was, but my mindset was I have to start from the bottom and learn from there and grow and grow and grow. So that was my mindset. And, and for me to find a mentor, I just asked everyone who the best person was and I just introduced myself. Got it. Okay, that's really good. And I love how you thought about starting from the bottom because I think, a lot of, and, and th we don't have to go here, but I think a lot of people today think that they just based on whatever experience they have, they're ready to start at the middle or even higher than the middle. Yeah. But I think two things happen when you start at the bottom. One, uh, you actually learn the business. Okay. And two, you provide value to the person that you're mentoring for so that they can actually move you up the business. But if you don't know how everything works, then I find it much harder to, to then take steps to, into different realms of the business. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just love that story. Yeah. And I, th I think, I think what you're saying is a lot of entitlement, right? There's an entitlement saying I shouldn't start here. I should start here. Um, you know, the only way you could be the best in something is if you start from the bottom, you're never, ever going to also be a, you know, you're going to start something. Well, you're a CEO of a company you're the owner of a company that doesn't mean that you, you know, for me personally, through the history I've been through, if you're going to learn something, it's gotta be from the bottom first because you have no idea. You can't build a house without a foundation, right? If you don't know how to either manage someone building a foundation for you, right. then you got no business. It's the same kind of concept. Totally, okay, that's awesome. Shifting gears here a little bit, I'd love to get into the virtual side of the business and how you put systems in place. So we have a lot of listeners that are trying to figure out how to get their first VA, what to, task them with, um, what tasks real estate related they can task them with. So um, I, I've, I know you've answered this question a lot. I know you get this question a lot, but for those that haven't heard it, how do you recommend someone start out with a virtual assistant, like kind of a step-by-step? -step? They're listening right now. What can they do after this episode to get started with their first VA, find them, uh, hire them, and then put them involved in something that they're doing? Yeah. Well, first I'd make sure um, that you're clear on what niche of real estate you're in. So for instance, if you're looking to wholesale and I'll give you the tasks um, that, that, that kind of equate to that because wholesaling is very simple, right? You have number one, you have no business unless you have a buyer's list. So that's the first thing you need. So the tasks you need to do is start building a buyer's list, whether that's through Facebook, whether that's through LinkedIn, whether that's through um, Google, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you, Craigslist, you have to build that buyer's list first. Right after that, then you could start marketing for motivated sellers. And the reason why you do that is because first and foremost, if you, if I have a hot lead right now and I have no one to sell that deal to, I got nothing, right? I have a whole, oh, I, I would have made money if we can't, we don't, we don't live off that in our world, right? Yeah. We need to make sure we do it systematically. So I would use a virtual assistant first if I'm a wholesaler to build my buyers list, right? So that's the way that we've set it up in our own real estate business as well. Then I would look at it as marketing to motivated sellers. So, you know, if you're looking to market to motivated sellers, you first need to build that list. 
of motivated sellers. So you could buy them, right? You could use a list provider. There's a lot of list providers out there, or you could actually, you know, scrape leads. Like I think Jenny and I talked, spoke about this before. You could scrape leads through Zillow, through all the FSBO sites. You could scrape potential motivated seller leads through Craigslist, through Facebook Marketplace, as an example. Um, I have our virtual assistants here in Connecticut go to our judicial website, which is a government website where they post all of the pre foreclosure lists. Now we could buy those as well, but we get them before they're actually published. So we have our virtual assistants go up and, and get all of those lists through a pre foreclosures. Um, also tax liens as well. Your virtual assistant could scrape tax liens off of your, your county websites. Um, Probates, uh, typically probates, you either buy them or you have to go in person to the probate court. Um, so that's just a, a couple examples on the, on the list building side. And then on the marketing side, so I'm kind of giving you a whole plan here. Is that okay? Just one question on yeah. that, because I could see some people saying, you know what, it's, I've never pulled list before. It's too complicated. I don't know how to find tax delinquents or probates or whatever. I guess my one question on that is, are there VAs that you know of that based on their past experience, if you just told them what they're, you're looking for, they can go out and find that for someone? Or do you typically need to provide that first part? So the first part I would highly recommend because this country's big, right? And you have virtual assistants, no matter what. Think about this. Even if um, you, you tasked me with something down in North Carolina, South Carolina, I would need you to teach me how to do it anyway. Right, whether it's a virtual assistant or someone that's coming in your office to work. So <laughs> what I recommend um, to answer your question when we first started this, just do a quick video walkthrough. If it's online, do a very quick video walkthrough of what you're looking for and send it over to them because that, that, that way it's repeatable. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. So then you, you have, let's say your list, which someone can find by one, just learning. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there on how to pull lists how to do it in your city. You can connect with other wholesalers in your city, other flippers in your city, and just kind of get that information. So you have your list now. And, but uh, one other thing, actually, you mentioned build your buyers list. How can a VA help someone do that? So what they can do is join all of these Facebook groups on your behalf. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, this is key because I do this with my virtual assistants right now. So if I live in Connecticut, what they're gonna do is they're gonna search all of the different real estate groups inside Facebook, right? So in, in what I recommend is target the area that you're looking to sell your properties in. So what you're gonna do at that point, then you're gonna, you join all of those groups and see who the active investors are in that group. You could also post, uh, you could use a, 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 Google, a Google form and post it in there to say, hey, I have properties available in this area, who is buying in this area? And then it'll populate into you know, your Google Sheets and boom, right there you have it. Yeah. So, okay. Got it. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. That That's like we were talking about before Facebook groups, the power of it, but mm -hmm. there's so many lists that I think you can generate from Facebook groups, buyer or seller side. It's, it's actually amazing. So, okay. Yeah. So um, I'd love to just go then to the part of the marketing where a VA can then help with that. And, and if you have any marketing strategies that you particularly like for your own business, if it's direct mail, text, voice, cold calling, whatever, um, what you're having success with and what you recommend for others. Mm -hmm. So the top three for us right now, um, and again, I'm in Connecticut. So top, top three for us is number one, cold calling, two, text messaging, and then three, direct mail. Mm -hmm. So we hit the same list on three different ways. So I have virtual assistants, cold calling. I have virtual assistants. I use a, um, in reference to cold calling, I don't know if I'm getting too deep in this, but you need a phone system as well to have your virtual assistant cold call. So okay. There's a, good, there's a good one like Mojo Dialer. Um, I mm -hmm. think it's MojoSells.com. So what that means is your virtual assistant could then, you know, hammer through a bunch of numbers at one different time, like a predictive dialer it's called. Um, yep. So just check out Mojo Sells. I don't want to get too deep, but it's a, the phone system that you could give your virtual assistant to be cold calling with. Nope. That makes total sense. Okay. So, um, Okay. I, I mean, I'm, I almost, there's part of me that wants to take a step back to then finding them, but I think right now we're still on the part of putting a like plan or system together yeah. that they would need to follow anyway. So, okay. Those are the three ways, which I think we kind of covered. And then as far as going direct to them, I like that, that you're hitting the same 
list three times. So maybe there's more familiarity. You can clean those better and know if it's actually going to hit or not. But anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just want to add one thing. So that, and, it, and this is today right now that's working the best um, through text messaging. We use a platform called Launch Control, which I've found is the best algorithm. So if you want to put that in the show notes or yourself, uh, Launch Control, very, very good because of the algorithm that they use that doesn't get caught up in spam. And I'm getting deep now, but um, I think it's very, very important as a tool. We, we have to do some research on what tools are out there. Um, and we train our virtual assistants, uh, remote lead managers to work off that platform works very, very well. So, okay. I guess this is a great natural next segue into the tools to then either find them, hire them, but also in the business. So could I just yeah. run through a couple Absolutely. Just quick questions it. of yeah. what software or tools you use for what? So yeah. um, I'll save hiring actually for, for the end of this. Cause I feel like that's a deeper conversation yeah. and also something that you could help people with personally. Um, okay. So the dialer, you said Mojo, yeah. text messaging, launch control, um, anything for direct mail. So direct mail we use, uh, well, real flow is also a CRM um, and they have direct mail attached to it. There's a lot of different direct mail companies you could use. Um, that's the one I use right now. Uh, real flows. Yeah. Okay. And they yeah. do direct mail as well. That's interesting. They do direct mail. That. Yeah. Okay. And they have, they have lists as well inside their software. Got it. Okay. Um, how about project management? Um, I don't do much of that. I don't use project management software. I use both launch control just for a CRM. I have, or for a CRM, I use uh, RealFlow and I have a Podio based platform. What's Podio for those who don't know? So Podio is an open source uh, CRM, customer relationship management tool that you could add on. You could customize it yourself. There's also in the box type Podio platforms as well um, mm -hmm. that, that work very well. But what I did is I, I got a REI automation, it was called, but then I'd customize it inside. Got it. And just for those that don't know, Podio, if you look it up on YouTube, you can get the gist of it. But from a very high level, it's basically just, as you said, kind of a white label open source software. What does that actually mean? It's basically a software that you can customize more than anything else, but it's more or less just like a database where you can set different cards for people, different callbacks. You can integrate different cold call tools, texting tools. It's, it's like a CRM kind of on personalized steroids that you can use for all these different things. But the, the devil's in the details a little bit because it's, it's so personalizable that it's very robust and it can be very difficult to use for a beginner. So for a beginner, do you recommend them maybe buying a template or having a VA build one out for them? How do you recommend someone get started with Podio? I would buy something out of box. Yeah. Um, because you only know, you know, I, I've gone through, I mean, I could tell you stories upon stores. I started a software company. I've dumped a million bucks in, and, and we had to, you know, let it go. This is over time, right? Over years. So build the bar or just buy something that's in the box. And then you'll know over time, once you get to a certain level of what you want customized. Guys, let's just take a moment there. If you've been able to lose more than someone has made in their entire <laughs> life, that says some things. If that gives you any context at a level that Bob is operating at. But anyway, um, okay, so CRM, RealFlows, Podio. Since you don't use project management tools to communicate with your, or, or I guess project management tools to track tasks, I'd love to just hear about how you communicate with the VAs or track their activities. So project management, I, maybe I took it out of context, but we use RingCentral and Glip to communicate with my team. So that's, if, the, if that's what you mean by project management, you know, you have Slack, you have, we use Glip in reference to that. So if that's the answer you look for, I thought you meant project management on a, a you know, a, a older trend or something. Yes, I guess I, I, okay, sorry. I know exactly where you went there because you're doing a lot of flips and like construction projects. I guess, sorry, just in the vein of working with VAs and I guess just remote workers, uh, just tracking activity. You know, a lot of people, Asana, Monday, Trello, whatever. So is Glip that for your workflow? Yes, I use okay. Glip and I also use, you know, you could also use on, on communicating, you use either Viber or, or Skype on communication back and forth as well. Uh, Viber and Skype are free. Glip rings central, cost money a month per month. Okay, cool. Um, so let's talk about finding them now because I think these are a lot of the tools and I think finding them is the top of the funnel where people get, could get stuck before they have the chance to use any of these tools or this all sounds great, but 
they put a post up one day or they hear someone say it on a podcast just like this. They go on Freelancer, Upwork, Fiverr. They make some crappy post. They get 50 responses. They feel overwhelmed. They start doing interviews. Half the people don't show. They hire one person. They get their hopes up. The person just totally, you know, flubs it. Um, and then they have a bad experience and they're like, virtual assistants don't work. Um, this is why I'm going to stick to either not doing whatever I actually want to do in my life, or I'm going to hire something that's a lot more expensive and maybe not be able to use this leverage effectively. So hiring, this is the big one. I'd love to just dig in and kind of hear your like one-on-one spiel on it. I could tell you have experience because you nailed every pain point in the world and why I started this company. It's kind of funny you say that. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, that's exactly what happened to me when I first started. I went to Upwork um, and I literally had to sift through a hundred resumes to get to my one person. And then that one person ended up leaving after three weeks. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. I'm like, I felt the pain. It took me, I, I, I don't even know, 30, 40 hours to find that one person and then it didn't stick. Tried it again. Same thing happened. So I was like, all right, there's got to be a better way in this world. Right. So this is back in 2013 was my, my first hire. And then um, I learned about, you know, how, how there's some other companies that actually offer the service that take care of all of that sourcing, take care of screening, doing the initial interviews, final interviews, um, and also doing a systems check, which a lot of people don't know a system check means is looking at, do they have the right internet connections? Do they have backup? What happens if a typhoon hits? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Hey, we're going through this in Connecticut right now. We had the tropical storm blow through here, and half our power's out in our town. It's not supposed to be up for a while. But guess what? If I don't have backup, right? You don't have an internet connection on your phone that 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 uh, that goes into your computer. It's the same kind of concept there. So, um, if you're looking to do this yourself, please look at the system check side and ask your virtual assistant, do they have backup? Okay. So anyway, to take a step back is how to find your virtual assistant, like you said. Um, you're going to have to snip, sift through, you have to source for all of the resumes, which means that you have to drive them to your inbox and your email, open each one of them up. And you're going to, what you're going to want to do is you're going to look to see um, what their history ha history is of um, clientele. Like if you're going to hire somebody, do they have past experience in real estate, do they have past experience in call centers? Um, because a lot of virtual assistants have call center experience which is exactly what you're going to want. Because if you have tasks that are phone specific, you're going to want someone that's been on the phone. Mm -hmm. if you want specific tasks like you and I spoke about that are admin tasks, then it doesn't matter if they have broken English, right? So those are just some little things to look at. But hiring a VA, I'm going to take a step back too. And I know we're, we're kind of jumping around, but hiring a VA, you have to make sure number one, you know what role you're looking to fill. Number two, what responsibilities you want them to do. So a role would be, I want someone to cold call, as an example. Your responsibilities are, all right, what tasks do you want them to do? Meaning, all right, well, I actually want them to cold call, that's the role, but the tasks are, I want them also to get a list, upload it into a Mojo dialer, and then call four hours a day. Those would be the tasks. Mm -hmm. The requirements would be, I want my virtual assistant to have call center experience. And then finally results, how many calls you want them to make, how many appointments you want them to set in a day, et cetera. So that would be the first place I would start. Mm -hmm. Then we jump into finding them. And that would be, you know, whether it's a company like, like mine at Reva Global, or it's someone like uh, Upwork where you have to do all the heavy lifting like you already said. What is Reva Global from a high level and what problem is it solving? So the problem that we're solving is finding the virtual assistants, training them, placing them, meaning um, what we do is our virtual assistants, we do a disc profile, we interview them and we match them. It's, all, it's almost like match.com, right? So we match the perfect virtual assistant with our client and their tasks set and their skill set. So, and then after that, we have a management team that oversees the relationship between the virtual assistant and the client. Got it. There were a couple things there that really jumped out at me from what you said. The first being the way you lay out the tasks and the requirement that goes with them. Something funny that I found in my life, I'm sure 
you have a comment on this as well. And for anyone listening, just hear this out for a sec, because I think it's a major unexpected benefit of sticking with working with virtual assistants is I couldn't believe how much more effective it made me in my own life with the tasks I had to do because it made me realize I had no system for half of the things I did. So you hear it a lot. Like most people, in my opinion, curious, Bob, if you agree with this, but most people, in my opinion, have bad experiences with VAs because they want them to think for them. And they don't even want to do the thinking themselves for their own business. Like they don't want to think about the next five steps of the activity. They're just thinking about the outcome. And then they're thinking that magically someone 5,000 miles away can do that thinking for them without ever speaking to them, seeing their business, knowing what they want, like all that. So for me, what I found is it helped me almost another great book. I'm not sure if you've read it, but um, Checklist Manifesto, but just getting the idea of what are the systems and steps I need to do anything. So like to buy a multifamily property now, it's made me kind of think of it like there are maybe 60 steps that go into right. it, you know, and each of them may have some subsets, but there's only 60 steps. And like following that helped me now put a system on it. I, I like to think in systems, I think more than some, but then it made it easy to hand off. So I'm curious, like, is that something that you found when you started working with them or you see clients also get wrong when they just go to them thinking, fix my life? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I just had this conversation. And we always have to remember, it's our business, right? If somebody even, so let, let's, let's use the example and in, in, um, the direct correlation. Even if someone's sitting in your office or someone's 5,000 miles away, they can't think like you. They, don't, they can't read your mind. So when we as business owners want to hand off our business to somebody else, it's impossible because they're not thinking like we do. When you look at bringing someone on your team, you're typically looking, if you're hiring someone, you want them to do tasks, right? If it's, a, if it's an acquisition person, right? Guess what? You want them to do acquisitions. So if it's cold calling, you want them to do cold calling. So very, be very, very specific on what you want that individual to do and follow that checklist like you said. So for me, it's my responsibility to put a system in place. For instance, we just talked about hiring you know that role is cold calling. Well, what are those responsibilities? That's the gold right there on that 60 you know, checklist that you were talking about. That's your goal. So you nailed it right there. What do you think is the biggest reason people don't start hiring remote workers, virtual assistants, or adding leverage to their business? So they're either confused and they don't know if, you know, where to start first Right. And I, I, I see that a lot. They're saying, hey, you know, I know I need help, but where do I start? So that's the first thing. Um, we do strategy sessions too with our company. So if you ever have that question, just let us know. Um, but what I would do as a, as a to-do list, I would look at your calendar and I would see exactly what you're doing on a daily basis and then take the non-income producing tasks off of that list. So an mm -hmm. example of non-income producing tasks no one should be posting every day on social media. They should outsource that, right? But Bob, that's the only I can do that because I'm, I'm special, you know, no <laughs> one best, else can right? do that for me. I'm the best at that. Why, how could I give that to someone else? I'm the best at it. I know when to post at what time and what to post. How could I ever outsource that? Yeah, uh, you will realize, and I, did, I, I went through this, I mean, you probably did too, I went through the same thing saying, all right, there's no one that is better than me. And then I, I started testing outsourcing, 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 and found out that, you know what, they were actually better than me. <laughs> and I got way more done, right? Because if we look at any one of us, it's, it's, we want, we either want to be more efficient, we either want to scale, or we want our time back. Mm -hmm. So to anchor back to what you just said, it's a lot of times we find out that they are actually better off or better doing that one task than we are, because they're focused on that one task, where we have a 1000 things to do as business owners. So I, I think about this a lot because what I find is it kind of becomes a game for me of how much more can I just get off my plate and then keep distilling and refining of what are my, what's the best and highest use of my time. I'm a big one thing believer yeah. and always trying to figure out what's my one thing, what's my highest and best use. So from your finding of doing this for as many years as you have and working with a lot of students and working with a lot of VAs, um, what, what do you think are the main things that 
that can't be outsourced or they can't do that only you can do in your business? So I look at them as um, income, producing, income producing tasks. So for me personally, um, raising money, meeting, you know, meeting money lenders, private money lenders, hard money lenders, that's stuff that I want to make sure that I keep on my plate. Um, and the actual closing of the deals. So I, for me, I use my virtual assistant team to gauge seller motivation to do all that heavy lifting consistently up front. So they're text messaging every day, right? They're inbound calling, they're outbound dialing. So it's almost like a setter closer model. You can't expect anyone else in this world to close the deals, but you or your, your lead acquisition guy in house, mm -hmm. right? You could outsource everything else. But the stuff that's going to put money in your pocket, you have to make sure that you do. So that's maybe meeting with sellers, meeting with buyers face-to-face, -face, meeting with bankers, meeting with you know mortgage brokers, et cetera. Got it. With all, that's just such a good point because I, I just think about it so much of, yeah, what what is like the best use of, I almost think about it like, what can I not outsource that's like involving either my face, my voice, or like my thinking, you know? And then everything else, I just think about what can or can't be. But I, I really think it kind of becomes a game. And it like for anyone that gets started doing it, I mean, did it start small with you and then just start snowballing and you kind of got addicted to it? Or did you, your business like take off when you got them involved? I guess like, do you remember your first couple of hires? Yeah, so my first hire was actually building a buyer's list. Um, it was building a buyer's list and building, building a contractor list. Mm -hmm. Because when you start looking at doing rehabs, contractors come and go, as an example, right? So there's ways to build, consistently build contractor list. So yep. they would actually put them on the list and then they would call them to see, you know, how busy they are, uh, specific scripts that I created for them yep. and, and they would vet them. Then they would hand it off to me because mm -hmm. if I would have a project, they would actually call the contractor and say, Hey, could you meet Bob out here uh, at 12 o'clock? So then the contractors would go out there and then they would all bid on jobs. So all that heavy lifting up front, which takes a lot of time out of our day, I no longer have to do that as an example. So right. my VAs would do that. That was, that was my first hire. Um, and also building a buyer's list because of wholesaling, I knew that my buyer's list wasn't huge. So I wanted to make sure I consistently built that buyer's list. All right, Bob, this has been awesome so far. You mind if we just move to the show wind down, knock out some rapid fire and get you out of here? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, I heard, I heard you mention a couple of times in the episode, um, mentors, and I kind of think about that as surrounding yourself with the right people as well. So um, any, any way to make sure that you surround yourself with the right people on a day-to-day -day basis or any masterminds you're part of or groups, anything like that? Yes, yeah, so I'm part of a couple of different masterminds. I would highly recommend going to masterminds. And here's just a, a takeaway though. A takeaway is um, make sure you, you, you surround yourself with the right people because in every group, there are people that are here and there are people that are here. You know, mm. I'll use a good example, uh, real estate investment groups. There are many people in the real estate investor groups that um, just sit there and do education, but they don't take action. So, and I think that's really important. I see a lot of newer investors get caught up in that. Well, this person said this, this person said this. Don't always believe what you hear. Make sure you can experience it. So if someone says they're flipping 30 properties, ask them if you could walk through that property with them, right? That's a great way to find out if they're really doing business. And I think that's something that um, I see a lot of individuals make mistakes at the beginning. That's so good, love that. Um, next question is about time management or just prioritizing, uh, any systems or ways that you think about your time, how you plan your week, how you plan your days to make sure you're working on the right stuff and that you're just being successful. Yeah. So for me, I use my Google calendar, like it's like it's gold, right? <laughs> so at the beginning of the week I have, so my businesses, I have a couple of different business, obviously my virtual assistant company. And I have each of my time blocked. So this, this goes into time blocking. And I know when uh, every single one of my meetings are, right? The team meetings are uh, throughout the week. Um, on my investing side, I also block off time to 
callback sellers from all the leads that I'm getting sent in uh, to meet with my business partner on the real estate side, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I've, it, I look at, I look at everything that I do and I, I set it up before the week even starts. So I think that's mm-hmm. really, really important. And I know you got to keep some time that's open for stuff that comes up. Um, but there's always some of those set times that you have to make sure you block off. Just curious. I haven't asked this question before, but you'd be the person to ask, do you, does your virtual assistant, um, control your inbox and answer email on your behalf? Or do you have a personal one that you control that's really only coming from you? Yeah. You know, great question. We have some of our clients that do, I handle all of my own, all of my emails. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, we talked about CRMs. Um, any favorite ways you like to stay educated or any specific people you like to follow within those platforms? Yeah, you know what? Um, through my one of the masterminds I'm part of, I'm part of uh, one of them is Collective Genius, very good mastermind. Uh, another one's Boardroom. A lot of the individuals there uh, post some great stuff. Um, we have our Friday Coffee Break um, podcast. Okay. That, you know, part of as well. So um, I read a lot of books. Um, book, Traction is one of them. Leadership is another one. So I read a lot of books to stay, you know, informed on a daily basis. I listen to podcasts all the time, like your podcast. I think podcasts are an extremely great way to stay informed on what happens today, right? Because we know in the real estate market, there are shifts um, that happen on a daily basis. So to stay informed and listen to podcasts like this one, just to learn about virtual assistants or to learn about multifamily investing, flipping here. I think it's very, very important. I listen to podcasts probably, it used to be every day, but my time's getting shrunk, shrunken in the morning. Um, but I probably listen to about three times a week. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, we asked about VAs. That was the main topic of the conversation. Uh, what's what's next for you in 2020 and beyond? Has COVID affected anything that, that you had planned? Um, I used to travel around a lot and do a lot of speaking and, and mentoring and educating. So that has, you know, that has shrunk a little bit or a lot, I should say, since <laughs> not travel around anywhere. Um, but I'm doing, you know, it's funny that you say that because, you know, when that stuff changes, now you just, you have to pivot into something else. So doing more of these, um, these talks, doing more education online, um, but I'm doing more investing. I'm actually uh, buying more properties to buy and hold because, um, you know, that's the only thing in my opinion is real estate investing. If you have buy and holds, no matter if the market goes up or market goes down, it doesn't matter because if I'm a wholesaler and rehabber, market goes up, market goes down, I'm affected. Mm. If you have buy and holds, it stays steady where you got peaks and valleys, but buy and holds, now your peaks and valleys are way smaller, right? So I think that's the advice I would give. Yeah, really, really good stuff there. Uh, any, any hobbies or random interests? Do you still play hockey at all? I know you're pretty busy with your kids, but what's that yeah. look like? Uh, golf is one of them busy with the kids. Um, uh, but I do play hockey. Um, you know, I'm 46 now. So my knees are kind of my, my right knee. <laughs> I've had three surgeries in it, but I'm still playing. Uh, but I coach the kids in hockey. So, uh, that, that's my, that's my thing that I really enjoy. What's your, what's your low round by the way, golf wise. Oh, jeez. I used to be actually okay. But my, my, I do have to say my 16 year old kicks my buddies 10 times better than me. He's a, Probably a five. He's probably a five. I'm, I like to say I'm a bogey golfer. I could get a birdie every time, but I could also bogey every time or double bogey. So I'm a bogey Got golfer. It. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Uh, what's the best way for people to follow you, connect, learn more about you and your story? Yep. Um, you could go to Reva Global, R-E-V-A Global.com. You can email me direct if you have any questions, Bob at Reva Global.com. Um, you can set up a strategy session with my team, like we talked about, if you guys are interested at all. Any type of questions, just set it up. And then uh, check out our podcast for sure at uh, askfcb.com or fridaycoffeebreak.com. Okay, awesome. We will check that out. Uh, I realized there was one tactical question that I missed before we get to our last question of the show, which was security when working with uh, virtual assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for someone that's like, I'm not comfortable with it security wise, I don't know, if, should I give them my information to log in? Should I not? Should I give them my financials? Can they spend on my behalf? What can I trust these people with uh, to help me in my business? So, I mean, like I said, it's the same if you have a virtual assistant here in the United States or a virtual assistant somewhere else. It's the same exact concept. Would I give anyone my bank account information? No. 
right? Would I give them my <laughs> Facebook account? Of course, yeah, I'm okay with that. Or my LinkedIn account, I'm okay with that because I just need to change my password. But I wouldn't give them anything like like my bank account or um, I do have my virtual assistant actually give them a prepaid uh, credit card with, mm -hmm. a, with a max amount on it. So Got it. those are just okay. some ideas to do. That makes sense. And and on that note, do you use anything like LastPass or any uh, password software? Okay, you do. Yep. Okay. Yeah, LastPass is great where where it hides all of your passwords. Okay, awesome. So that's that's cool. Last question of the show, Bob. Um, my favorite way to network and to recommend networking for anyone, but also for those that are trying to get into the business is to try to add value before asking for value. Mm -hmm. So is there anything right now that if someone reached out to you to try to bring you some free value or help you with anything or just do something for you, uh, they'd be starting the relationship off in the right way? Yeah, um, what I would say, it's actually a really good question. Never been asked that question, but it's really give before you get, right? That's really the concept there. I love that question. So for our uh, podcast, just send in any question. Go to askfcb.com. Um, we answer live questions every Friday at 10 a.m. So I would say start doing that. And that's a, the, the, the first way I would say for us to start building a relationship with. And I'm going to add one more to that. In addition to sending that question, send a screenshot of a five-star review. That would, I'm sure, make it even that much sweeter. And Bob would like you that much more and make sure that your question gets maybe even a shout out on the show. From the it in. So I will definitely give you a shout out. Just tag your name to it. And I give a shout out to everybody who asks those questions. Always. Email those screenshots or DM them five stars with a comment and uh, you'll be getting a shout out. And you can ask any virtual assistant questions you have. Or anything um, in real estate. Anything in real estate. Anything, anything, business, real estate, virtual assistant, hockey, yeah. golf. Whatever. It could be political. Who cares? It's open. It's, oh, it's actually really funny. It goes off the rails, man. I think you'll like it. I love it. I'm going to check it out. I actually can't wait yeah. to check it out. I'm, I'm all about the Facebook groups these days. And uh, we were talking about that before. But Bob, I could talk to you about this for probably another two hours. Um, but for the sake of... <laughs> my bandwidth and the makeshift setup I have in this Airbnb right now, I am going to not do that. And I will, I know you got stuff to do with your kids today, so I'll let you get to that as well. But thank you so much for jumping on and educating our audience, educating me. I was taking lots of notes during this episode. I've probably listened to you on five or six other podcasts myself. I'm excited to jump in your Facebook group and start interacting and just learning. So thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, before we hop, any last comment or call to action for the group? Uh, I guess the, the call to action is, you know, when you learn something, you have to put it into effect and take action. So don't just, you know, be that person that, that um, knows the answer to something without actually doing it. Because I think it's very, very important where sometimes we get caught up in just learning something and not applying it. So that would be my, my last parting words and appreciate you having me. All right, guys, check this out. Check out his Facebook group, five stars and uh, hire your first VA and buy your first real estate deal this year. So signing out, Bob, thank you again, man. All the best. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, you millennial millionaire, do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step -step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one -on -one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan.